The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 3. Time is money. Now, who said that? Let me give you guys a little hint here. The same guy also said, You may delay, but time will not. I bet you know who this guy is. In fact, I bet you've got his picture on your person right now. Think about it. Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Yes, yes, yes. If you uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, I bet you have, or you, at least you had time to Google it right. But the guy who said those quotes, "Time is money," and the other one was none other than Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, who I mean, is famous for so much. It's isn't. There's really no reason to go into it. Everyone knows Ben Franklin was the first great American, one of the founding fathers, U.S. ambassador to France. Just Google him, go to Wikipedia, you'll find accomplishment over accomplishment. The reason we're talking about him today is I don't know that anyone in history has gotten more done with what they had available to them as far as tools and stuff like that than Benjamin Franklin. So, yeah, time is money. Uh, He's the guy that you want to think about if you're trying to perfect the way that you look at time. So today, we're going to talk about a subject that is absolutely near and dear to my heart, and that is the subject of time. Now, why do you think that that's so important to me? Well, it it seems that a while back, I was thinking really hard and long about the goals that I wanted to accomplish in my life, and I wanted to accomplish in my practice and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people think, that almost all your goals should be based around money. And to a certain degree, it is true that you have to have money to be very successful at a lot of the things that you do. Uh, That's certainly absolutely true. But if you really get to the heart of it, I, I think that you will find that most things in life that are really valuable have at least as much of an importance placed on the time that's involved as the money that's involved. In fact, I would propose to you that time is really the most valuable commodity in the world. Time, not only is it the most valuable commodity, it's really the only currency that matters because you can not buy time with money. I think we all know that. There's only so much time in the day. You only have so much time in your life to live right? You can't buy more than that, no, no matter how much you try to spend on it. Sure, you might could afford a surgery here or there, but uh, the truth is time, especially when you're healthy and happy and wise, you know, uh, time, that has no price tag, okay? And, and, and furthermore, you can't stockpile time, right? There are no time billionaires, Uh, everyone has a certain amount of time, and we don't know how much that is, right? We know how much we have in a given day or something like that, but we don't know how much time we have left on this planet. Um, So you cannot stockpile time. There was a really cool movie out 
not too long ago where you know the main characters that's how they judged wealth in the future is everyone had uh, a counter on their arm and it, it listed how many seconds or minutes they had left in their life and when those hit zero no matter how healthy you were you you were killed you were you know that was the future and so in that case there were time billionaires but in the real world that we live in today there is no such thing uh, there is no compound interest effect for time okay you cannot store it up and let it compound like you would money in the bank time can buy pretty much any goods and services if you think about it that way okay there are also time addicts okay there's a time addiction that's running through our culture right now i don't know if you paid attention to it but there was a time guys let's think back to it now i'm 42 and when I was in college at Mississippi State, there was the, the burgeoning effects of a little thing called the Internet. We had a room in our dorm, and it had about 10 workstations, and you were allowed to go in there and, and get on this quote-unquote Internet. But there were very few sites, and it was not... Um, you know, it was, you know, we really didn't know what it was. I, did, I certainly, I missed the boat on that one. I wish I could go back in time and learn more about that and buy stock in companies like Amazon and, and things like that. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I, I saw the value of it, but I had no idea that it would, that it would just surround our lives the way that it has. But yes, there are time addicts because think about it. People get angry now. Uh, some people get angry. Uh, if you actually call a person, now this is the way we used to communicate in the good old days. Actually, when I was a kid, some of you young people are going to, I'm just giving you a history lesson here. The phones had a, a rotary dial on them um, and a cord that attached them to the wall. And if you wanted to talk to someone, you had to call them. But it was a pretty big deal. So if someone called you, you stopped what you were doing, you answered the phone. That's just the way it worked. Now, think about texting. Most people prefer texts over phone calls. In fact, there is a growing percentage of people in the United States that gets angry at someone if they call them instead of texting them because in their mind, now they view the person that's calling as saying, hey, my time's more valuable than your time, and I'm going to call you and expect you to speak to me right now instead of just texting them so that they can answer at their leisure when they have a chance. Now, as you've probably noticed, a lot of people just text right back and forth right away, right? And so there's a whole uh, fluidity to that. But, yeah, time is way more important than it used to be to everyone. Um, there, look at, uh, look at when you have a slow Internet connection. When you don't have LTE, that's something that didn't exist a few years ago. My kids, if they don't have an LTE connection on the road, they get upset. Uh, road rage. People get mad all the time driving down the highway. People drive probably way too fast most of the time. But, yeah, people get road rage if they need to get somewhere and they can't get there as fast as they would like. It's not even that they are being blocked from not getting where they'd like to go. It's as if they... If they are slowed down, they get angry. Okay? Let's look at the way that time-saving addiction has entered into the business world lately. Or not even necessarily lately. Let's, let's go back in history a few years. Uh, McDonald's. 
they sort of pioneered fast food. There's an you know there's an argument argument to be made as who was the better entrepreneur, the McDonald's brothers or Ray Kroc, but no question about it, McDonald's is the name that you think of when you think of saving time getting your food. I'm saying how good the food is. I'm saying you save time. Another company just recently that's saving lots of time and making billions out of it. Has anyone used Uber? Now, I have to admit, I have not yet had the pleasure of using Uber, but I hear it's really cool. So if you're in a city, of course, I'm not in a city. I guess that's why I haven't used it. But if you're in a city, you can use your phone to, to call an Uber driver uh, with the app or whatever, and they will show up and pick you up, and you don't have to fight with the taxis and all that stuff. But Uber has actually tapped into that addiction of time that we're all feeling here in America. Okay? Um, let's think now about some of the things that time can buy. I would propose to you that time can actually buy money. Okay? Yeah, I said that money can't buy time, but time can buy money. Because if you think about it, whatever you choose to do with your time, especially business-wise, you're going to get paid a, a proportionate amount of money to the value provided by the time that you've given. Now, sure, you could just you could say, oh, I'd like to be paid for my time, and I'm just going to sit here on this stool, and your time's not worth that much. But if you make yourself, if you make your time worth something, then you can trade time for money. Now, I, I would also say that that is one of the least liked business models uh, for entrepreneurs everywhere is the, the model of trading time for dollars. But it's a very valid point that you can trade this time for money. Uh, I would also say that financial freedom, okay, as you think about money being the more powerful thing between money and time, financial freedom really focuses on money, right? Uh, but I think that is a hugely inaccurate idea, the fact that you can have so much money that you're financially free. There's always going to be a, a, a bigger entity, uh, even if you're a billionaire, the entity would then be a government that could come and take your money. Uh, you can set yourself up to be as protected as possible, but there's always someone who could take your money. However, if you have time and you spend your time right now to buy something, they can't take that away from you, your memories or whatever. Like, let's say you would like to buy an experience. Okay, a little concept that I would call present autonomy. You have the right to do whatever you would like to do at this particular time, you have freedom from external control or influence. Okay, that's present autonomy, and you can buy that with time. Okay, once that has happened, you can't take that away. Nobody can. I mean, I guess someone could kill you, but you can't take away the time that was actually spent experiencing something on that earth. Okay, uh, that sort of delves into the spiritual realm. You can use time to grow spiritually. You can use your time to make yourself in better physical shape so that you have a better chance to enjoy other experiences you buy with your time. So the whole point of all this is time is actually the commodity you should be using to, to passionately pursue your better life. And that's where it all starts and ends is the commodity of time. So... I have throughout my life, ever since 
I guess ever since I've been on my own in my practice, I have to admit, I kind of feel like I was lazy until the day that I started my own dental practice because, you know, things had come kind of easily for me and I'm not proud of that, but, but it just, I was lazy and soft if, if you look at it that way. And, and there were things that I knew that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And, and the day that I was sitting on my kitchen floor trying to decide, you know, with, with my wife pregnant with my first child, my son, and um, had no job, had no prospects of a job, and, and I didn't know if I was going to have to take my wife and uproot her back from our hometown and take her back to a big city, you know, and work for the man or work for someone up there, or if I was going to have the guts to stick it out in my hometown and build my own practice from scratch. That is the day that changed everything for me as far as being lazy. Uh, one of the things that, that I was being lazy about was I just was not being as productive as I could be, okay? Uh, I wasn't taking time to plan things out. I was sort of haphazardly going through life, sort of living off whatever abilities the Lord had given me, and I wasn't maximizing my time. I think that a very good phraseology uh, is a quote that I heard one time. I think Peter Drucker said it, but I'm, and I hate to quote that because I'm just off the top of my head right now. But you look at efficiency versus effectiveness. Now, you know, I might have been doing some stuff, but I wasn't very effective at accomplishing any of my goals, whether they be personal or professional. And so after that day on the floor of my kitchen, uh, the soul-searching night that I had, and came out the next day with the resolve to work 14 to 20-hour days until I built my practice up to a certain level, uh, I would say that I was a lazy ineffective person but after that experience I became very hyper productive and after today's show I want you to know exactly how that I approach the art and the science of setting and achieving goals and the ultimate objective of saving and redistributing time to work for you okay because that's what I've done ever since back in 1999 Now, once you learn the most effective system for attaining new productive goals, this is like magic, guys. You can use this system over and over and over again to build the life that you want. And if I'm not being too presumptuous, I would love to be the person who spearheads the movement for us as a society to value time over money or be one of the people. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that already are doing this, but I would love to influence you if I have any influence at all over your thinking right now to value time over money more than you have okay because you let's think about let's say I'm 42 okay now I have a lot of 40 to 50 year old friends and they for the most part a lot of them that are very successful I have some very successful friends, but a lot of the ones that are very successful, uh, in my mind, they they do trade away a lot of their very valuable 40 to 50-year-old time for money that's future money, right? Now, there very well may come a day for some. Some of them have become very well off, uh, but there may come a day when, sure, they've got so much money that they can do exactly what they want. But I would be the person to tell you, man, if you feel good right now, and I'm 42, if I feel good right now, what would I pay if, to do something fun? If I want to go fishing for 
six hours, you know, and I'm 40-something. I feel great and have a wonderful time. What would I have paid for that if I were 55 and I were super wealthy? What would I have paid at 55 to feel great and go fishing for six hours, you know? And maybe you can't even feel great, no matter how much you would pay for it. So I'm a big proponent of spending your time now to really um, maximize your experience here on earth or whatever you'd like to do uh, and also accomplishing goals you're, you're never going to feel better probably than you do in your youth so even though i'm a true believer that when you when you want when you have a clear goal in mind working very productively toward that goal is very important i also think that you should take time and spend that time wisely while you're young and feel good and um, you know it would also be nice to spend some of that time when you're younger to create a mechanism so maybe your earning power doesn't completely go to zero when you hit 65, right? If you have a system in place that will allow you to earn money, you know, up to the point of you pretty much not caring at all when you're at whatever age that is, then that's great. And you may spend some of your time now developing that system. So, Let's dive into this, the Time Genius System that I've written about. I guess I published my book in 2010. I think I wrote it pretty much most of 2009. But the system that I wrote about, that was it's really personalized to my system. Uh, the system overall has really been tried and proven over time. Um, over the last decade, I've I've really tried to work on the time genius system that I created for me and I've really gotten it down to a science as much as I think I can but the principles of of being productive and effective and saving time have been around for pretty much forever it's just that not many people subscribe to them the way I think they should so let's dive right in um, the first if you if you've gotten my book and I would hey listen uh, if you buy my book on Amazon what am I getting I don't know 30 cents I don't know what it is maybe 20 cents I don't know it's not much um, but if you look in that book if you have it if you want to grab it off Amazon I'll put a link in the show notes uh, there one of the first chapters is called goals are worthless okay goals are worthless now I've just spent a lot of time telling you that I'm big on setting goals and achieving them right Achiever is probably a good classification for the way that I feel about life. However, most people are on the wrong track when they're trying to set their goals. They just have an idea, hey, I would like to lose weight. Hey, I'd like a million-dollar business. Hey, I'd like to have $5 million in the bank. Okay, that's well and good, but can you really say for sure how you're going to get there? Because... The truth is, if you don't have what I call a definite ideal goal in mind, something very, very, very specific, and a way you can work backwards from that, it's very unlikely you're going to ever achieve that. Instead, you'll be just in this perpetual state of trying to claw up the mountain and achieve this unattainable goal, and it's not attainable because you've never really broken down the steps to get there. Okay? So in, in my book, I have also got a tagline on the book called Design implement and achieve now the editor they said hey Chris I don't know that this makes sense design implement achieve was this a typo should it not be design achieve implement and you know looking back could I have 
uh, worded this a little easier to understand and made made it more clear. I was trying to be concise, but at the same time get my point across. And uh, I don't know, maybe some of it did, maybe some of it failed. I don't know. But what really, let me explain design, implement, achieve to you. So you have to design this ideal goal and you have to design a way to get there. Okay, that's step one. Now, in my mind, step two needs to be proof of concept. Okay, because if you're not sure that you're going to be able to achieve this goal that you've set up, you're going to get bogged down, you're going to get confused, you're going to get lost, you're going to go off on tangents. So one of the first things out of the gate that I believe you need to do is you need to just go for the gusto, guns blazing. You need to achieve I know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of confusing myself, right? Design. Anyway, you have to achieve this once. So you have to implement it, implement your system, your systematic approach for achieving this, this definite ideal goal. You have to achieve it once, right? And to do that, you have to implement all the steps, but you're just going gangbusters. And once you've achieved it once, then there's a whole process for making it permanent in your life because I don't think it's great to achieve a goal real quickly once and then just lose it all. Sure, you anybody can go on a crash diet and lose 50 pounds, but can you keep it off? Does it look good? Is it normal? Are you healthy? So you need a whole process to keep it in place forever. Now, in the book, I did break the steps down into 12, what I'm calling 12 laws of time. Now, you could call it 12 anything, 12 whatevers, but it's really just a 12-step process. And the 12-step process is meant to allow you to achieve it and and make it last forever. So when we come back here in just a minute, you, you know, catch your breath because we're going to run through the 12 laws of time and I'll teach you exactly how I teach my students step-by-step how to get any goal that they want to get achieved permanently in their life or practice. Okay? All right. We'll see you on the other side. This is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire. And if you're ready to ignite your productivity, explode your growth, and burn down the barriers to your dream life, the Dr. Chris Griffin Show is where you need to be. Okay, all right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for coming back, staying through that. Now, I have caught my breath, and I'm getting ready to run through this. Now, I'm going to run through it. As we go over the years, I am bound to come back to each of these laws individually and talk about them and go into more detail, more depth. Of course, if you read my book, you get my book, you're going to read more detail, more depth on each of these. Uh, But today, we're going to run through it. Okay, this is the productivity segment. We're going to run through this thing. So, but tie, lace up your running shoes real quick. Here we go. Now, before you get to law one, and law one is actually the setting of a goal, I think that you have to have sort of a pre-goal before you get to goal the, the goal, which is the law of time, number one. And the pre-goal, like we talked about it before the, before the break, definite ideal goal. Setting a definite ideal goal is very important in this whole process. Because instead of saying, I want to lose 50 pounds, it would be much easier to say, 
over the course of a year, I'd like to lose 50 pounds. But after one month, I would like to have lost two pounds, and I would like to have um, started an exercise regimen where I'm now walking 10,000 steps a day. You know, that's that's great. And at, at the end of two months, I would like to have lost seven, whatever it is. You get the idea. You need a very structured, very very definite, ideal goal set in the beginning so that you can now implement this thing. If you don't have it, if you don't have it just really specific, it's not going to get implemented the way it should be. Okay? So that's the, the first law is setting of the goal. So now I've contradicted myself completely. I said goals are worthless, but now I'm saying it's actually the first step in the process. Okay? It just has to be labeled appropriately. Now, let's move on. The second law is the law of the right mind. Now, Napoleon Hill, with apologies to Napoleon Hill, I probably got this idea from reading his book, Think and Grow Rich, or his book, The Twelve Laws of Success, either of which wonderful books. Uh, Law of Success, of course, is the, the very much longer version of Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich is the shorter version of that gigantic volume. But r the law of the right mind says that after you've set your goal, let's make sure that it's actually achievable. Uh, let's think about this. Ask some people around you if they think that this is a reasonable goal. So you might have a goal of being a billionaire. I don't know. Uh, I know a billionaire or two. Uh, that can be done. Is it likely? I'm probably not going to ever be a billionaire. I have not aligned my actions with becoming a billionaire. I don't want to be a billionaire. I would have to trade way too much of my time that I'm, you know, really enjoying experience in life um, to be a billionaire. And I consciously understand that. I'm just as happy as a lark uh, being what I am. But if it were your goal to be a billionaire, then you would need to process this through friends of yours, your own self, actions, how would this work, you know? And if it turns out, yeah, it's doable. If you're in an industry that would allow you to own a business where you yourself could become a billionaire, it is possible. Like I said, there are billionaires out there. I know some. Uh, but you have to make sure that it's, it's something that's achievable or else it's going to kill this whole process. You're never going to want to keep going if it's not something that's doable. Okay, so I like baby steps. Now, once it's been run through this gauntlet of is it, is it possible, am I thinking accurately, the next law is the law of belief, the third law. Now, you have to believe in yourself. At this point, if you've chosen to be a billionaire and somebody says, you know what, you're in an industry where that's possible. You're in the software industry, and if this thing really hits, yeah, you could. I could see that. You could be a billionaire. You know, And everybody, yeah, I, I see that. Now, I know it won't be easy, but I could see that happening. Well, now you have to believe it because I do believe that people are kind of hardwired with these ideas in their own minds as to whether or not it's possible for them to achieve certain things. So you have to believe in yourself. Now, maybe it's just my religious you know, background, uh, but I'm big on belief. I think belief can move mountains. I really do. And uh, so you have to be honest with yourself and see if belief is something that's on your side on this thing. Uh, the next law is the law of courage. Okay, because just because you believe in yourself, now you have to have courage. Okay, uh, it's not easy. 
It's not easy to step outside your comfort zone. It's not easy to go ask people for things. It's much easier just to sit back and take what's given to you in this world. But if you want something new and you want something different, you've got to go out and grab that for yourself. Okay? you got to you got to reach out and grab it. And when you do that, it takes courage. Okay? It just does. But I can promise you, as a person who much of my life, I was not a courageous person. Things were given to me way too easily. And, and I, you know, I'm not proud of that, but it just was. And when I finally broke through the barrier and I was forced to get out of my comfort zone and go out and try to take things that I wanted... It turned out I had some courage in me. I just didn't know it, right? And so courage is something very important along this process. You have to dig deep, but I can promise you, you can do things that you have no idea you can do. Uh, I promise you that you can. Okay, so let's say we've mustered up the courage. Now, you know, like they say in Missouri, show me. Um, you have got to uh, you got to find some mentors, right? you got to find some mentors. It has never, by the way, been easier in the history of the world to find mentors on any subject than it is right now. Uh, if you, if you, let's say for example, I would like, I don't know what it is in the world you couldn't learn how to do on YouTube even. That is, uh, is that not the most amazing thing? If I want to learn how to put something together, I can go to YouTube. If I want to learn how to use a piece of software, go to YouTube. You know, I, my whole life, I'm used to buying services and products to teach me how to do things. You can pretty much get anything for free you want on YouTube. If you have much sense at all in your brain, you can take what you learn on YouTube and, and do amazing things with it, right? I guess the problem now is just there's so much on YouTube, you don't know who's really an expert and who's just there. But there's never been easier to get a mentor. When I was trying to learn how to have the most efficient dental practice in America... And one of the most productive dental practices in America, I actually had to physically get in a car and drive all over the country and visiting dentists who were where I would like to be, or at least one aspect of their practice was where I would like to be. And so I did that. I went all over the place. I some places had to spend thousands of dollars, some places were free, but I, I went all over the country gleaning the information that I saw as valuable to get me to where I wanted to go. So I used the law of visual learning. I think that, you know, you have to see things done. And ideally, if you could see it done and then do it yourself right then, that's even better. Sometimes, though, you can you just have to see it done, and then you have to take that back into whatever endeavor you've got going on and put it into place. But that's really, you could have called this law the law of mentorship because that's really what I'm getting at. You've got to find someone who is an expert, learn from them, Copy, take what they're doing, put it into practice in your life, okay? Now, the next two laws are very confusing, uh, apparently, because this is where I get all the questions when I speak. Uh, operations and logistics. For the purpose of this podcast, let's just combine them. Operations and logistics. Uh, you know, think about the commercials, uh, UPS, what can Brown do for you, stuff like that. You have to take all this knowledge that you've gained up to this point and you have to come out with a strategy not only on how to lay it out systematically but also how to put it into place into action so basically you're building a system 
and then you're putting it into place. That is the most simple way I could put it. Of course, the book goes into way more detail, but we're just running through it right now. For the purpose of this, you know, you, hey, you've gained a lot of knowledge. Now you have to sit down and form a system, which is probably my favorite thing to do on the earth, is sit down and just draw up systems. I don't know why, but I just love that. And then figure out how to make it go into action, put it into place. Okay? So whatever you've decided to do is your goal. you got to get a system for it laid out, and then you have to put it into place. All right? Now, what is it that could make this, this system run better? Okay, so the next law in the sequence is the law of the environment. Now, we're not talking about Al Gore, the inventor of the Internet here. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about what kind of environment could you put yourself in to succeed. All right? You want to make your life easier, make your chance of achieving this goal easier and better. So you've got to place yourself in an environment that gives you the best possible chance to do well and get to where you want to go. In my dental practice, it's all about arranging the world around me and my assistants um, and my hygienist. It's all about arranging that to make our lives so easy that all we have to do is work on patients and everything else is just super easy. Okay, and we do have a hyper-productive dental practice because of the way we've arranged things. Uh, we teach classes on that and how to set, set up the environment of your practice and everything else. But the whole point is, it's, it's just things that support you, okay? No matter what your goal is, find an environment that supports you. If you hate clutter, I don't see how you could write the great American novel with papers laying all over your desk. It's just not conducive to getting that done. If you don't mind clutter, I guess it wouldn't matter. But find your environment and make that work for you, okay? Now, at this point... We're assuming things are skating right along and it's looking really good, right? We may have even achieved this thing. But we got we know that we've got to put it in place permanently or what was the point in accomplishing it anyway, right? So towards that end, the next law is the law of the standard operating procedure. You need to document every single aspect of what you've done up to this point so that, and let's just say, Let's think about the movie The Planet of the Apes, right? Let's just say that you're coming back to Earth thousands of years after mankind has been destroyed and you would like to rebuild something. It would be nice, would it not, if you could find, when you land back on Earth, a detailed list of the steps on how to get back to, to building something that's required for, for society, Okay, otherwise, it's going to be very hard to go back and reinvent the wheel. But if it were laid out step by step, you know, find a flat square stone, chisel off these square edges into a circular shape, drill a hole in the middle, now you got a wheel, put it on a stick, you got a wheel, or whatever. I'm just saying, it would be nice if there were a standard operating procedure listed exactly how that you could go back and recreate whatever you've done. Okay, because you forget over time. Let me tell you, as a business owner since 1999, I forget so much of what I did in the early 2000s to make us so successful. And things change. And I don't want to spend 15, 20 hours a week or a day working anymore. So I'm not going to do that. Of course, if I'd written things down more clearly, I'm sure I could go back and delegate a lot of that. I only started keeping really good standard operating procedures since about... 2005 
So, but I will tell you this, after the office burned down, going back to that list or that book of SOPs, as we call them, uh, that made things so much easier to get back on track the way we wanted them to. If I hadn't had that, it would have taken us a lot longer. It's just the way it is. And you, that's anything in your life or, you know, your practice, that's what you need. You need to you need to get your system down pat, and then you need to write down exactly how you got there. And we'll create those SOPs. Okay, well, I say the book goes into way more detail. Um, discipline, the next law, the law of discipline. Hey, look, if you, I know, it's hard. It's hard to keep up anything. Um, I, per, you know, for years I tried to eat right, and now I'm eating way wrong. Now, what I've done, I've sort of justified it in my mind that I'm working out more, and so as long as my weight stays what I consider good, uh, then I can eat what I want to. But I'm telling you, I know it's not right. I shouldn't be eating the way that I am. But uh, discipline is tough for everyone, right? Because I can assure you, if something, if I like twist my ankle where I can't work out right now, I'm going to gain about 10 pounds in a week unless I lock myself in a room away from the refrigerator. Uh, but whatever it is that you've accomplished, whatever it is you've accomplished, you're going to need a daily dose of discipline. And also, the next law, you're going to need a daily dose of motivation. Okay? You're going to have to find things, triggers that make you remember why you did it in the first place and remember the pain you felt to make you press through this entire process and achieve something really special and do not give it up for what do just don't give it up okay the book goes into a lot of techniques you can use to give yourself better discipline to give yourself better motivation but the bottom line is it comes down to you your inner desires uh, whatever it is you really want if you can master that you can keep these really amazing accomplishments going for however long you want to. Okay? All right. And, you know, after you, listen, after you run through these laws, there's no law that says that you have to just do it once, right? This book is really meant to be done over and over and over and over until you've achieved all the things that you would like to achieve, and you can use it forever because there's always going to be new stuff that you would like to put into place in your life. It certainly... Gosh, I'm doing this podcast on a piece of software called Adobe Audition. And uh, a month ago, I didn't know how to use that. I had to use pretty much every single law that I've just talked about to get proficient enough to make a podcast with it. And even now, there's so much more I could learn. There's always going to be something new. There's always going to be something better to do. So these this process can last literally your whole life okay that's what I really wanted to happen when I wrote the book and finally the last law is the law of the golden rule now this one's kind of interesting I mean it's not this law doesn't really have anything to do with accomplishing a goal it just has a lot to do with my personal belief and what I think I've seen over time that tells me that Nothing that you do before this is going to stick or work right if you don't do this. So the law of the golden rule is always, always know yourself enough to know that you need to treat other people the way you would like to be treated. If you, 
if you just do all this and your your ultimate goals are bad or evil or bad or greedy or selfish or anything like that of course you can accomplish goals of course you can people do it every day but i don't think you're going to be happy i don't think that there's any way that can lead to lasting success um, but i do believe if every goal in your life leads toward a goal that's something that's higher than yourself like you would like to do things better for yourself but ultimately that that improves everyone's life because when you're better their life's better too you're not just focused on self right you're focused outwardly and and i know it's getting a little deep here but what you're trying to do is you're trying to maybe accomplish things so that you can do great things for other people and i think you've seen that in the lives of a lot of really really great people and i think the reason those people are great is because they think about other people and they try to do good things for other people and so hopefully any goal that you set for yourself accomplish it enjoy it you know make your time very valuable make it last but then now that you've built yourself up go make other people's lives better you know if you can do that i really believe that you will be rewarded and you will be allowed to continue to do great things because because you know you can be entrusted now you you can be entrusted you now are allowed to do great yourself because you can do great things for other people it's just a vicious cycle sort of a snowball you see people like bill gates going out and creating the gates foundation the bill and melinda gates foundation uh he has he he accomplished so much in his life and now he is using that the money the platform the fame he's using all that to try to solve problems for people in the world who can't solve them for themselves and so i think that he did great things he was able to be entrusted with great things for himself for his company and now he's doing great things for others i really think that's how it should be that's how you know when you have really made it when you've done great things for yourself and you turn right around and do great things for others okay and i really think that's what keeps these things stuck in place if you're a bad guy i really think eventually it's going to come back and get you if you are a good guy i mean at this i'm using guy just as a just as a term doesn't mean anything it's not male or female but if you're a good guy i think it's going to come back good things are always going to come towards you too so anyway that's kind of uh you know some of these laws are concrete this thing that i just talked about that's kind of spiritual i suppose but ultimately that's the way that i this is my view of the world hey this is the dr chris griffin show so you know i guess you guys are obligated to my view of the world but anyway we ran through the the 12 laws that's how you accomplish anything you want to accomplish in life uh, i would love for you to uh, give me any feedback i'd love to hear from you as usual you can go to drchrisgriffin.com that's drchrisgriffin.com grab the mind map that i used to do this show today we're going to also probably have a lot of other goodies there um, grab those and uh, we're looking forward we're looking forward to seeing you uh, next week because next week i can probably we've got a great show we've been building for next week and of course over time like i said we're going to delve into each of these laws more deeply but um, try to keep it you know different changing up and exciting 
So next week, something a little bit of a change up, but I know you're going to love it. So we will see you then. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice. So when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of The Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in.